This is Jess, and you're listening to The Pumping Podcast. Hey there, mamas. I hope you all are having a wonderful, wonderful holiday season. Last night, we just had our first snowfall, and I have to say, it was pretty beautiful. Wintertime in New York City can be a little bit rough, but there is something magical about the snowfall. So this week, I am speaking with Sandra, the mama coach. Today we have a conversation all about lactation. So this is one of those episodes, if you don't want to hear about areolas and nipples and breasts, well, this is definitely not the episode for you. But I know I learned so much about lactation and how you can help yourself before you even have your baby, and then after what you can do. I hope you all find it helpful too. So here she is, Sandra. So I treated myself to a massage, and then... I literally, this is the, the no baby um, life at the moment. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I think I have a massage booked for a couple of weeks. So fingers crossed, I'll actually get to do it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, this woman, she like beats the crap out of me, but in the best way possible. And uh, it's almost like I need a soft massage after that massage, you know? But um, (laughs) then I just literally spent the past like three hours in my kitchen baking. Oh, love it. I love baking. So I love it. Well, speaking of Thanksgiving, I'm so grateful that we're able to talk and uh, you're able to share your story. And I'm so excited to hear it because I know nothing of it. Um, So for those listening today, I'm speaking (laughs) with Sandra Everett's and I might have to have you uh, double check me, but your list of things that you are and do just goes on forever. So (laughs) you are, of course, I believe the founder and CEO of The Mama Coach, and you're also a registered nurse, a lactation counselor, infant and child sleep coach, CPR instructor, I mean, mom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Am I leaving anything out? No, I think you've got it all. I'm not the founder of the Mama Coach, but I'm one of uh, one of the team members. So okay. um, I will leave that to somebody else. You can take that off the list. But yeah, you've got everything else there. Holy moly. I can't believe it. In addition to just being a mom. That's, that's amazing. And I wanted to let people know too, if you check her out on Instagram, she has tips on everything, literally everything. I was looking at some of them today and it was just so interesting to see some that were interesting to me were like how to survive a pregnancy with a toddler, which my one girlfriend just went through, how to prevent flatheads on babies, how to care for the umbilical cord, why does my baby bite when breastfeeding? It's like (laughs) your information just overflows. And so I'm really excited for the moms listening to check you out and hopefully learn a slew of information. I hope so too. But first, let's back up to you as a mom. So I forgot that you're in Canada. So you're where are you joining us from? I'm just outside of Toronto, basically in Toronto, in Ontario. Okay. And you're a mama to how many? I have a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old. He'll be two next month. Yeah. So you've got you've got your hands juggling quite a few things, I think. Yes. <laughs> it's active. <laughs> yeah. For sure, to say the least. And what was your life like before you had kids? Was it just as active in different ways? 
It was, it was, you know, it's hard to imagine what it was like um, before kids, funny enough. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was active and I worked, but um, you know, I had a lot more social time, a lot more me time. Um, Now it's just sort of rejigging it all and, you know, doing me time with my mini me or me time with, you know, somebody else. So it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's a really good thing. It's just a, you know, a different shift. Yeah. I mean, you cover everything, like I said, from sleep to lactation, prenatal, CPR, allergies. I mean, so many things. So where did this passion come from? Did it start before you became a mom? For sure. I I absolutely did. I've been an obstetrical nurse. Um, I've worked in labor and delivery, postpartum, antenatal, and then in low risk and high risk pregnancies for the past 15 years. So it started really more than 15 years ago in nursing school. And as I've gone through the years, I think the passion has grown as you see needs and gaps for support in our society um, and the world changing. Um, Families are living farther apart and the support that we used to have isn't really there. And so I just saw the needs and the holes and then my passion sort of grew from that out of wanting to fill them and help them and, you know, really connect and build that village. So your daughter made you a mama, of course. What was that process like? What was pregnancy like? Um, Pregnancy was, I would say, uneventful. I was nauseous the entire time, although I would still say it was uneventful. Other than that, it was very smooth. Um, I never really got uncomfortable. I never um, had any major swelling or anything. So other than the nausea the entire time, which I could handle, um, it was good. Uh, It was a good pregnancy. I I enjoyed it. Uh, My birth was amazing. It was one of those births that people always say, don't tell people because, (laughs) you know, you got to kind of pretend that it's worse than what it is. But I think it's so important to share the positive birth stories because everyone hears the negative birth stories. Um, I was, it was New Year's Day and I was just irregularly contracting. I was two weeks before my due date. So I didn't think anything. I thought I'm a first time mom. I'm going to go past my due date. These are just the Braxton Hicks. And I just sort of carried on with my day and it was probably about 10 or 11 o'clock at night that my girlfriend just kind of said, you know, I think you should check in with your OB because you've been doing this a long time. So we did. And my OB was a colleague of mine and he said, come on down and get checked out. It doesn't hurt. You have a long drive. And I did. And I was five centimeters and I really had minimal pain. I had groin pain that was getting more uncomfortable, that was manageable, I would say. Um, And yeah, I was five centimeters. So I was very happy with that. I think my husband remembers me like going, yes, (laughs) I was five because I knew I was staying. I wasn't going home. Um, And then it quickly progressed within the next six hours. She was born. It was, uh, it was great. It was beautiful. And now going into that experience, you seem, I believe, you seem to have a lot of understanding about birth and the process just from being a nurse. So how did that yeah. benefit or maybe not, I don't know, maybe not benefit you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is something about being naive. Um, you know, the more knowledge that you have sometimes, um, knowledge is power to a certain extent. Yeah. 
when they're saying certain words that you maybe yeah. don't want to know. Yeah, like, ah. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, yeah, I definitely, I think it, it definitely, it benefited me. I remembered the key things that, you know, I really wanted to push slow and steady, especially because I had an epidural that was working really well and I had a heavy block and couldn't feel anything. Um, and I also knew that my body was taking it very well. And so when they offered to break my water for me, I just kind of said, no, let me just wait it out and let my epidural work a little bit better. And, and then sure enough, it broke on its own. So I think because it was so smooth, I didn't really have much to worry about that I been worried about, I guess you could say, just having all that knowledge. I couldn't have asked for anything better. And I didn't really have a chance to worry about the things that I, you know, I was worried about before birth. Yeah. And so is there anything that moms who clearly aren't nurses before they become a mom, is there anything that you maybe knew that's a little gem of information that you could pass along? Absolutely. I think the most important thing is to be flexible. We always have ideas and ways that we want our birth to go. And your healthcare team works so hard to make it go the way that you want it to. But sometimes we need to be flexible. Just as there's normal curves in our in the road that we drive on, there's normal curves in labor and delivery. And just being able to be flexible and mindful of them and know that your team has your best interest at heart. At the end of the day, the most important thing that I always say is a healthy mom and a healthy baby are number one. Yeah. I think that's so important too, because I mean, you hear everybody has a different story and everybody has a, you know, different situation that they've been through. And I think that there's something to be said for also empowering yourself and sticking up for what you want if mm-hmm. your plan is something that can stay intact, but also being open to advice and recommendations from people who do see this. Exactly. A little bit of a give and take with that stuff, I imagine. Yeah. And so then with your second, what was that experience like? Was it any different or kind of a breeze? Um, it was, you know, it's harder being pregnant the second time around. You don't get to rest when you're really tired. You don't get to do those little things that you did when you were pregnant for the first time because you have a toddler running around. So it's very different that way. Um, again, I was nauseous the entire time, which was harder um, because I had my daughter that I needed to cook meals for. Um, And there were many times that she was worried that I would eat all the crackers because I had chicken broth with soda crackers. (laughs) And I always assured her that Costco had big boxes at our ready and we were not going to run out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, Because I would probably have a sleeve with every um, bowl of soup. That was it. But again, I mean, other than that, it was smooth. He was breached for a little bit, but then he turned himself back around by 30 weeks. And, um, yeah, it was great. Again, my labor and delivery was just as smooth as my daughter's. It was an induction, um, because I had a history of fast labors. Um, I went in for an induction and once they broke my water, I think it was two, three hours and he was out. So again, very smooth, very quick. I have little babies. So, they, that helps too. I have little babies. They just kind of slide out. So. Wow. 
you had kind of a, a dream with both of them. That's amazing. I would do the labor and birth part all over again. Yeah, I'm sure. So clearly, like I mentioned in the beginning, you are just into so many things and are just a wealth of information. I thought the topic of lactation would be a good topic because I think it's one that not many people talk about. Um, I also think some people get confused because this podcast is called the pumping podcast and it's not all about pumping and breastfeeding, but um, actually I've only ever had one other episode, which was my very first episode was about breastfeeding and pumping. So this will be interesting. And like I said, I think that there's so, there's so many questions that different moms have. There's so many questions that myself, you know, somebody who's planning to be pregnant in the future just doesn't know things that aren't talked about. So I wanted to talk about that and I'm excited about that. My first question, especially because I myself am currently working on a diet and my hope is to get off of some medication. And then I believe I'll still be on at least somewhat of a diet that I'm on now when I do try to conceive and then throughout pregnancy. With a situation like that, how does diet affect one's lactation? That's a very good question. Um, it, you know, it's very similar to when you're pregnant and when you're pregnant and growing a baby, your unborn baby will take all the nutrients that it needs for itself to grow first and then leave you with whatever is left. So it's similar with breastfeeding in that um, your breast milk and your baby will take all the nutrients and vitamins that and fats that it needs to produce the milk and then we'll leave you with whatever is left. So as long as you're eating a healthy balanced diet to whatever your diet restriction is, whether it's, I can't even want to even say restrictions, but you know, if you eat a gluten-free diet or a lactose-free diet, you can certainly do that as long as it's healthy and balanced and your milk will, um, will develop just fine and baby will get all the nutrients first and then leave you with what's left. Now, when someone is breastfeeding, one of my friends for her first birth only breastfed. She didn't pump at all. But for the mom who wants to breastfeed and pump because maybe she has to work or maybe she's going to be out of, you know, want to go out for them mm -hmm. and have somebody else feed the baby, um, what is kind of the ideal amount that you should be pumping per day in addition to the breastfeeding that you're doing? It all depends on how much you want to build in a sort of a supply stash, you know, in your freezer. Um, and if it's for the occasional night out or evening, then, you know, you can sort of do a little bit of pumping or power pumping at the end of the night and collect that or pump first thing in the morning after you've fed because you have an increase in your milk supply. But you can just sort of do it randomly when you need it because baby is on the breast so often that it's keeping up with your milk supply. If it's something where you need to pump because you're going back to work, then you need to be pumping when your baby would normally be feeding. So if you're working a shift or whether that's 12 hours or eight hours and baby's not at the breast for those eight or 12 hours, then you need to be pumping every three hours because that's when baby would be getting on the breast and feeding. 
um, to keep that milk supply up. And then you would just store it while you're at work in the fridge and then bring it home and give it to baby or put it in the freezer, dated and labeled and use it at another time. So it really depends on what the mom wants to do and how she sees breastfeeding and pumping or just exclusively pumping and how that works into her life and making a schedule based on that. But, you know, if baby is not on the breast, then you want to be pumping at that feed time. One question that came in from my listeners Mm -hmm. is from one of my friends who she just had a baby and I believe at some point soon she's going to, if she hasn't already, I'm not sure, but um, she's going to be transitioning back to work. And actually she's a nurse as well. And so she was asking, and maybe this is kind of similar to what you just answered, but what pumping schedule would you recommend for moms who work at night? So, you know, you're on a nurse shift and you're working throughout the night. Is it pretty similar, just that every three hours? That's exactly correct. Yep. So you want to do it every three hours to make sure that you are still getting the stimulation that you would if baby was at home feeding every three hours, that you're getting that at night to mimic the same um, sensation, same thing that would be happening at home, but at night so that you can keep up your milk supply and keep the hormones going and building that milk supply. If you go a long period of time without pumping, then you're going to possibly affect that milk supply. So yeah, if baby's feeding at home every three hours, then when you're working the night shift, you want to be pumping every three hours. And most states, I believe, um, have rights for pumping and breastfeeding moms to allow them that time to pump in the workplace. So it is definitely something that every mom going back to work should look over, contact HR and find out what their rights are and make sure that they have those. They have a place to pump that isn't the bathroom stall um, and that they're allowed that time every three hours, even if it's 10 minutes, you know, 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever time you can get in there to do a pump at that three to four hour mark is super beneficial in keeping that milk supply up, which is what all mamas want, right? We just want to give our babies the best possible chance that we can. Yeah. And while you're pumping, you can listen to the pumping podcast. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's so funny. I initially intended these episodes to be shorter, but mom's stories are just so amazing that I couldn't shorten them. So you'll You'll go through many pumping moments listening to the same episode, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so for the ignorant non-mom, me at the moment, you know, pretty much throughout the night when the child is young, you're getting up every <laughs> maybe one hour, two hours, three hours if you're lucky. Um, what about that time when your child does start to sleep longer are, are you having to get up to pump even if they're still sleeping? No, your body adjusts to it. So when they start sleeping through the night or long stretches, your body realizes that it doesn't need the milk at that time. And so it sort of slows down the production a little bit. It, it will make enough the rest of the time and just know that it doesn't really need it at night. The first nights you will get that engorgement filling. You will leak. You might wake up in the middle of the night and you've soaked through your um, 
your bed sheets, your nightgown, mm-hmm. and uh, but your body will adjust and realize, okay, I don't need the milk at three in the morning anymore. So I'm just going to slow down production, but I'm really going to need it at six o'clock when babe wakes up and takes a huge feed. So your body is adjusting for those growths in baby and doing it really well. And it's awesome to see that your body just adjusts to it. Isn't that fascinating? It is amazing. I can't get over it. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I can't even get over the fact that you know, a mom can see another baby or can just hear their baby cry or just look at their baby and all of a sudden they can start lactating. It's unbelievable. Yes. That release of that hormone called oxytocin is crazy and wild. Yes. Unbelievable. And just the coolest thing on earth, I think. It is. It really is. And so how soon after you give birth does your milk come in? Because part of me thought that it was just sort of instantaneous, but someone recently mentioned, oh, I had to wait because my milk wasn't in yet. And how does that work? You are not alone in your thinking. Lots of mamas ask me that in the hospital because there is the misconception that as soon as baby comes out, you're going to have your full milk supply. Towards the end of your pregnancy, actually, even in the second trimester, your body is making colostrum, which is that liquid gold high calorie, high fat milk, it looks gold, that your body is making. And that's what's there when baby first comes out. And it's only teaspoons that baby's getting, but it's exactly what baby needs at that time. Baby doesn't need a lot of milk. And so your body is giving baby that colostrum that you already have there while your hormones are making your full milk. When the placenta comes out, then those hormones, the oxytocin and the prolactin hormones, start working together to develop and build that milk supply. So it actually happens in a surge when the placenta detaches. And then over the next couple of days, typically for a vaginal delivery, your full milk will come in day two to three. And after a C-section, it can be three to five days, even sometimes up to seven days for your full milk supply to come in. What we often forget is that when a mama has gone through an extra traumatic delivery, maybe they have lost a lot of blood or they have had high blood pressure, anything like that, a complication in the delivery will just set back their milk supply from coming in a couple of days. And so give yourself grace. Every day your body is building more and more milk and you will see that you have more and more colostrum. And then that gold liquid is going to change into full milk and be patient and know that it is it is happening, but it definitely is not instant like we are led to believe. But you're still going to be feeding them whatever is there the same amount of frequency, correct? Correct, because their tummies are super, super tiny. They are so tiny at the beginning and they don't need very much. And that's why they're feeding every two to three hours. And then at that 48 hour mark is what we call cluster feeding. That's when they're feeding every hour sometimes on demand. They're really driving home those hormones and getting that milk supply to come in. And then your milk usually comes in the next day. And, you know, so I've babysat a ton 
And I can usually tell with a baby, even though it's not mine, whether they're tired or whether they're hungry or whether they have some gas, I can kind of sense it. But when do you know, or are there any signs that you know if they're cluster feeding? Like, are you pretty much always just going to assume that, oh, I should try to feed them if, you know, their diaper is fine or if they've just woken up or, you know, how do you know that that cluster feeding is happening and that you're not just overly feeding them? Yep. So for in that first 24 to 48 hours at that 48 hour mark, um, you'll know that baby wants to be on that breast all the time. They're rooting the smucking of their lips. Um, when you rub against their cheeks, they move their mouth towards where you've rubbed. Those are classic signs of being hungry. Hmm. Crying is a late sign. So when they're doing that at 24 to 48 hours, it's the, your best guess is to put them on the breast. You can't overfeed them at that stage of the game. And they are hungry. They're going through growth spurts. So they're feeding lots. Is there anything that a mom can do during their pregnancy that can help lactation once the baby's actually born? So women, when they're, when they are pregnant at 36 to 37 weeks, they can start doing what we call antenatal hand expression. So once they've gotten the approval by their obstetrician or their midwife, that they can do that, they can start by doing hand expression. So hand expressing the colostrum from about five minutes each day. If they get some, they can collect it and put it in a syringe in the freezer and take it to the hospital with them to give baby once baby's born. And that's a really nice thing for women to do. One, because it gets them comfortable with touching their breasts and what it's like to hold your breast when you might be breastfeeding and how to do compressions and I teach women that to how to do these compressions and how to collect the colostrum and then it's also really nice because sometimes when we're in the hospital baby might need a little bit of supplementation whether latching isn't going well maybe baby's blood sugars are a little bit low or baby's jaundice there's many reasons why baby might need some supplementation and instead of going straight to formula they can bring in and use the colostrum that they've collected in the couple of weeks leading up to delivery and give it to baby instead of the the formula. And that's so nice to be able to do that and to not go straight to formula when you've got a little bit of a milk stash in the freezer. Like I said, the colostrum is, you know, it's in very small amounts, so you're not collecting a ton but baby doesn't need a lot. And especially when we're supplementing, it just helps to minimize the amount of formula that we have to give baby where we can give baby the, you know, amazing, wonderful colostrum that's got so many benefits for their immune system and all the things that they need at that newborn stage. And so it's just an awesome thing that I always like to teach moms because it is something that they can do before baby's born to help with their milk supply. That is so interesting. And I would have never thought about that before. And so it's just a method of massaging. Exactly. You just compress your breast from the top of your breast all the way to the bottom through the areola to the nipple, and then just getting out what is there. If anything comes there, you can collect it in a medicine cup and then suck it up in a little syringe and just put a cap on the syringe and label it and then stick it in your freezer in a little Ziploc bag and then go into the hospital with your Ziploc bag. Wow, that 
is so cool. Yeah. Now, what is the biggest misconception that you often hear about lactation? The biggest misconception is that it's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Yes. Um, Because we think that it's, you know, mother nature gave us these breasts and, you know, we just get pregnant and we grow a baby and we just are supposed to breastfeed and we hear all the wonderful things about breast is best and we need to breastfeed, but it is not so straightforward for the majority of moms. And so that's probably the most thing, the biggest misconception that most moms have. And I certainly had for myself, even having the background knowledge was that I thought, you know, this is just going to work out. And every baby, every mom and their anatomy of their nipples and their breasts are different. And so there's a learning curve to breastfeeding for you and for baby. When you have your second and your third baby, you get more comfortable but that baby still has a learning curve. And so some babies will get on and latch really well and it goes super smooth right from the beginning. But a good chunk of moms, the majority of moms have some hiccups in the road that they need support and they need help to, for, to get breastfeeding going really well. And I know that breastfeeding and pumping, the whole shebang, is just so hard for moms because it's, it's personal. You know, it's one thing if, you know, you're having trouble changing their diaper or even if you're having trouble putting them to sleep or you're having trouble, you know, whatever it is. But with pumping and breastfeeding, since it's you and it's your body supplying nutrients for this little angel, I know and I see moms and some of my best friends just having the hardest time when they're struggling with it because it's it's them. And I know that a lot of negativity can go and circle in on that. So what do you say to moms like that who are struggling so much? You, I struggled with breastfeeding. I had a low milk supply. My daughter had a tongue tie. My son was jaundice. It was not easy. We did breast and bottle with formula and I pumped. So I hear all the mamas that struggle and it is personal because we think that we we should and we need to and why can't we just breastfeed you know we need to supply our babies with milk why can't we we have that mom guilt and that is strong it's deep rooted and there is a lot of pressure from society as well that we need to breastfeed at sort of all costs and we have to remember that we are only human and we can only do so much And sometimes we have to step back and say, what is going to work best for me and for my family? And what's going to make us all happy? And sometimes that's a combination of breast and bottle feeding. Sometimes it's exclusively pumping. And sometimes it's just straight on breastfeeding. And so just knowing that at the end of the day, fed is best. And when you're trying to breastfeed at the beginning, to really reach out to your mom friends that have had successful breastfeeding journeys and to lactation consultants in the community who can help you. Because sometimes it's just something so simple that you don't even know or realize that you can do differently that will change it and make it so much more positive and so much easier. 
And just knowing that you have that support, that you're not alone, there's somebody that you can reach out to and get help from makes a huge difference because we often just deal with it in silence in our homes and struggle through it, through the pain, through our unhappiness and our sorrow. And it doesn't need to be that way. And so my message to moms is that is best, however that's done. Yeah. I mean, this whole podcast came out of the conversation about my best friend feeling lonely and isolated when she was pumping and breastfeeding. And I mean, that in general is hard because let's be real, sometimes you're just bored or sometimes you're trying to keep yourself up in the middle of the night. Yeah. But then you add on the struggles with it. And I mean, I'm going to have to play this back in whoever knows how many years when I become a mom to remind myself, but it's just what you've already accomplished in creating this child and boring this child and bringing this child into the world has already been enough of an accomplishment that I don't think you have to bang your head against a wall if something's not working, just find what works for you. Yeah. And then one of my yeah. other one of my other friends had said too that, and you touched on this, but um, being in a community, like she would always go, I think it was once a week, it might've even been twice a week though, to a group that I think it was probably about 10 or 12 women who would meet and all come together and share their ups and downs. And even when the road started to get better for her, she still continued to go. And I think that's really important to, to just see in person that you're not alone. Yes. To see that, you know, the person next to you is having the exact same struggle or to be able to sit there and reassure a new mom and say, you know what, I went through that and we're doing awesome right now. And this is what I found was super helpful to be able to be a part of that and to help each other. Because we always say it takes a village to raise a baby, but it actually takes a village to raise a mama. A mom. Yeah. Yeah. So many people forget that a baby is being born and created, but a mom is being born too, you know, and it is, it's equally as important. Yep. So what are some tips other than the awesome pregnancy tip that you gave us, but what are some awesome tips that you think every mom should know about lactation in general? One of my other big tips is the nipple sandwich. I call it the (laughs) nipple sandwich. So making sure that when your baby is latching, they have a big, wide, open mouth. You are, you know, cupping around the areola that's the dark part of the breast because milk does come out of not just the nipple but it also comes out of the areola so cupping it like a C behind the areola and making sure that we get baby in as if they're taking a big bite of a sandwich when a baby goes into latch they're not doing a bullseye we're not just putting them straight on like a bullseye we're going in like we're having a big sandwich. And I always tell parents and dads and moms who watch the Food Network always get this. But if you've ever watched Diners, Drive-Ins yes, and Dives Guy and Guy Fieri, <laughs> you know when he has a burger or a big sandwich, he doesn't just go in bullseye, yeah. right? He puts his elbows up. He kind of, you know, he goes in. It's called an asymmetrical latch. He goes in with his chin almost right at the bottom part of the 
the sandwich or the burger and then lifts the top part in. So that's the same thing when you're going at the, when baby's latching at the breast, you want their chin to hit the bottom part of your areola first so that the nipple is aimed at the top of their mouth and then they're going up and over, if that makes sense. So yeah, usually if they can picture how Guy Fieri takes a bite of a sandwich, then they've got the nipple sandwich part of the latch. And then you know that baby's got a good latch. That's really funny, but that's super helpful. Yeah, when you can, when you can picture it, it's often easier than me just saying you need to get an asymmetrical latch. Well, what the heck is an asymmetrical yeah. latch, right? Yeah, put it in basic terms yes. for us. That's the best. So for you, what did breastfeeding do for you? I mean, what was it as a mom? You mentioned and touched on how it was a challenge, but what was it for you? What was the importance? The importance was just spending the time bonding with my babies. I realized that I didn't need to exclusively breastfeed to have that bond with my baby, that the time that we were feeding was just as much of a bonding experience as when I was able to breastfeed. I also learned to just cut myself some slack, which was big. I had huge pressure on myself to breastfeed and I gave it 200% of chance. Like I tried everything. And with my daughter, we breast and bottle fed for six months. And I was just super happy and elated that we got that far. With my son, it was a little bit less because he had some other stuff going on. But I just allowed myself to say that it's okay. You've given them all the benefits of breast milk up until that point. You've tried so hard and you're still bonding with your baby and so there were some dark times when it was a big struggle and it was hard Um, but I think in the end I was just very happy to have the journey that I had and both my babies are beautiful and healthy and they're doing just great that's awesome well I learned a whole lot about lactation (laughs) Um, And if anyone out there who's listening has any specific questions that pop up during this episode, please send me an email at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com and I will reach out to Sandra and get those answers because I know that things are going to pop up. Um, But what I'm taking away from it is mostly just remembering that however far you get is how far you get. And whatever you can do is what you can do. And there's so many good little tips and tricks to learn along the way. But um, I think getting that support, like you said, getting yourself a consultant or a counselor, and then getting yourself a community really makes all the difference. Absolutely. And just remember, you've got this, Mama. You got this. Yeah. And so it's been quite a while now since you've been breastfeeding or running around with two tiny, tiny ones, but now they're a little bit older. And what is life like for you as a mom now? It's just as busy, um, but it is a good busy. Watching them grow and develop at this stage is just, it's fascinating. It's mind blowing. They are in, my daughter is in kindergarten and that is just wonderful to see. And my son is just taking off leaps and bounds with his speech and his fine motor skills and everything. So it's busy in a different way, but 
every mm -hmm. stage and every phase is just more exciting and more fun than the one before that. I might say that's different once we get into the teen years, but for right <laughs> now, it's good. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. My mom would always say, and it was different because I was an only child, but my mom would always say like, I loved every stage. Every stage is wonderful. It is. Yeah. And then she would say, well, when you didn't want to hang out with me, you know, as when you got into your teens, that was hard, but it was still wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> it just changes. Um, is there anything when you think back to those times when they were breastfeeding and they were really tiny, tiny, is there anything that you want to think back and remind moms about that time? Yeah. That maybe you missed. Yeah. Just enjoy those moments. The nights are always really long when you're feeding and just enjoy those moments that you have with your babe. Take the moments to snuggle up to them, smell that baby smell and just enjoy them because they go and they pass so quickly. They grow up so fast that you all of a sudden get to a point where they don't want to cuddle and snuggle with you anymore. So just enjoy those moments. And even the hard times, try and find something little and positive in it to change the spin of how you're feeling. And just remember that you are blessed with this beautiful baby and this experience and that so many people around you love and support you. Now, what is something that you would like to tell your kids now for when they are 18? So they've gotten past the, you know, annoying 13 <laughs> and teen teen, but now they're 18. What is something that you want them to know? I want them to know that they can do whatever they want to do. And I hope that I've shown them that my passions are so important and I want them to learn to follow their passions and their hopes and dreams and do them as well so I think by leading by example and showing them that they can do whatever they want to do and that just because they're a mom or a dad they don't have to sacrifice what their dreams are yeah I mean it seems like you've set out to do what you wanted to do way before they came along and here you are kind of juggling it all and it just seems it seems wonderful. So I assume that they'll just follow in those footsteps for I sure. So. Well, for those listening, go check out Sandra on Instagram at Sandra, the mama coach. I will put all of the information in the show notes. And like I said, not only with lactation, but this lady can help you with so many things. <laughs> and I'm going to continue to follow up on your Instagram because you're just a wealth of information and always posting so much. Info. Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm so excited that we got an opportunity to chat and I hope that this was helpful for some people. It was helpful for me and I'm not even pregnant yet, but I'm going to have to remind myself to go back and listen to this episode <laughs> so that I can do those little tips. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for having me. The Pumping Podcast is a podcast for moms and by moms. And I am your host. I'm not yet a mama. I'm a mama in training. If you're enjoying what you hear, please take a minute on iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review so more mamas out there can find us and listen along while they're pumping or breastfeeding. If you'd like to be a guest and share your story, email me at thepumpingpodcast at gmail.com. 
You can also email me if you have any questions for any of my guests, and I will reach out, get those answers, and relay them to you in a follow-up episode. A big thank you to my friends Ashley and Kelly for the use of their baby's laughter, and my dear friend Erin Adams for writing my gorgeous theme song. You can follow along on Instagram at The Pumping Podcast, and go ahead and share the podcast with a mama you know. Until next time, keep on pumping.